So I was here, um, I think, last year or the year before. Maybe it was last year. And um, a lot has changed in our world and a lot has changed in our ministry. Uh, thank you to Thornlands Church for the commitment you make to our suffering brothers and sisters in Christ uh, through the sale of... Uh, what, what do you call them uh, at the back there? Um, resources? What, what, what's your word for them? The Barnabas Table. The Barnabas Table. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that and um, uh, thank you for your commitment in prayer. Uh, and um, uh, it's, there's been a lot of changes in, um, uh, in our ministry. For those who uh, receive uh, our magazine, you'll have read that our national office has relocated from just south of here at Shaler Park to Adelaide. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's a big change. Um, uh, following that change, uh, because I am not, haven't relocated and won't be relocating... Uh, then my role as CEO has now become a role as uh, Head of Partnerships for Australia. So I'm uh, working from my home in Ipswich and uh, will continue to uh, have a national role and a primary speaking role here uh, in Queensland. And, um, and so it's, um, it's, it's great that, that that can happen. As to the name change... Um, I just need to open that up, I'm sorry. Uh, as to the name change, uh, uh, our legal name here in Australia is still Barnabas Fund Australia um, and our bank account is still in the name of Barnabas Fund Australia. I was asked this morning, to whom should we make the cheque payable? And the answer is Barnabas Fund Australia. But we are in the process of changing our name uh, to Barnabas Aid and uh, in the magazine on page 17, I think it is, there's the rationale for that. Um, and uh, so uh, if you're interested in more information about the change of name from fund to aid, uh, then either read that in the magazine uh, or by all means ask me uh, after the service. Um, and I look forward to engaging with as many as I can um, after the service. There is a resource table in that direction. I know that coffee and tea is in, in the other direction, uh, but if you are interested in uh, obtaining some resources, many of which are free, uh, or of hearing more, uh, please come and engage with me at that table. There are a few books there uh, for sale that might interest you. Uh, Barnabas Fund uh, is uh, an international Christian uh, aid agency that serves uh, Christians who suffer for their sake, uh, for the sake of Christ. Uh, we, we should give a clap to the young fellow in the in, in the booth who's helping us out today. What, what, what's his name? Henry. Thanks, Henry. And, um, uh, and so uh, someone said to me uh, on the way uh, into the service that, you know, that, that God would have his way over the technology. And I said, well, whether or not the technology works, God will have his way in our lives uh, and in this service as we commit ourselves to him and honour him and all we say and do. And so if the technology fails, God won't fail. Uh, and, and that's an important distinction. But thanks, Henry, for that. And so if you... I'm just going to do this every time you need to flick it over, OK? Uh, and so that, that means flick it over, and uh, it should... There we go. So uh, we're motivated in large part by this verse in Galatians where Paul says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Uh, and uh, there are many organisations that do that. We have a special calling uh, on our ministry to the second part of that verse that says, especially to those who belong to the household of faith or the family of believers, those of our brothers and sisters who suffer 
Uh, that's the calling on our ministry. Uh, and so uh, we have a, a mode of operation that goes from Christians, uh, through Christians, to Christians. And, uh, and so in terms of from Christians, we don't go outside the Christian community uh, for support. Uh, we uh, operate exclusively in uh, the realm of those of us uh, who belong to the family of Christ. As to the middle section, uh, through Christians, we don't go to different places with uh, Western boots on the ground, but rather uh, what we do is uh, we fund ministry in partnership uh, with uh, churches and denominations and Christian organisations in different countries. And uh, that does a few things. First of all, it keeps our overheads very low uh, so that globally our overheads are less than 12% of total income. Uh, Secondly, uh, what it does is it means that the work that is funded goes below the gaze of those who would persecute uh, rather than being there in a different way and drawing attention to the work. And the third thing is that it empowers the local church in those communities to be the local church uh, in and to uh, their local communities. Um, And the last part of that model that's uh, behind me in front of you on the screen is two Christians consistent with that verse uh, in Galatians from which I read before. Uh, As to uh, what ministry we fund, then scrolling around on the screen are 12 different categories uh, under which we fund ministry. And um, sometimes, of course, the the work that is funded might cross two, three, maybe even four or more of those categories. But, uh, for example, in convert care, well, um, someone might need some assistance as a convert to Uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, That might mean they need some medical care, it might mean they need some sustenance, it might mean they need some training, Uh, it might mean a whole range of things. And so uh, they're the broad categories, the 12 broad categories under which we fund ministry. Uh, I think last time when I was here I highlighted that sometimes I'm asked why uh, we would need to fund um, in the case of disasters. Uh, Surely everyone gets helped equally, well sadly the the anti-Christian bias in many of these places uh, that is in place before the disaster is reflected uh, in how disaster payments uh, are made. Uh, I want to highlight today, though, another of um, what we do, and that is our feeding program. Uh, There are many Christians in the world today who are hungry. Uh, They are hungry because they're poor. They're poor because they're despised and they're despised because they own the name of Christ. And so we have, in the last 12 months, started a significant feeding program under the name Food.Gives. There are some brochures about Food.Gives at the table in the foyer. And we're encouraging people that they can be involved in this program in three different ways. We've set up a website called Food.Gives, and... There you can express interest and if you live in a capital city, as I suppose that most here today do, then uh, one of the options is to fill a box of food and, and then uh, me being the Queensland rep will pick that up and get that transported uh, to our central warehouse to be sent out. Uh, I have at the moment 51 boxes uh, at my home waiting to be uh, sent out uh, this week. Uh, and so that's one way that you can be involved. Other ways are that as a whole church, some people say, well, look, as a church we want to get involved. And so uh, we might put together four, five, ten. Uh, I picked up uh, from a church uh, in uh, uh, Red Bank Plains 
uh, 33 boxes last week uh, from a church that's really got involved, um, a small church that's really got involved in that. So one way to get involved is to fill boxes. A second way is that uh, there, are, uh, there is a, a virtual shopping list uh, on that website where you can say, look, I want, uh, I want to give a donation effectively for two kilos of flour and for one kilo of chickpeas or whatever. And the third way is to go there and simply make a cash uh, donation. So if you're interested in knowing more about the food uh, program, please uh, see me uh, after the service. Uh, the next uh, thing that I'm asked is about where we work. And so scrolling around on the screen are 12 maps. And so at the top of those maps are the categories. Um, and then underneath that are the maps where in the last 18 months we have funded ministry in that category, remembering that, of course, some funding goes across multiple categories. Uh, and so the answer to the question, where does Barnabas Fund uh, work, the answer is wherever uh, there is a need. For those of you who are astute, you probably will have noticed that of those 12 maps, there is one country that appears on 11 of them, and that's the country of Pakistan, uh, where it is very difficult to be a Christian. Not as difficult in some ways as neighbouring Afghanistan. We've got a major work with uh, Afghan Christians. Uh, Christians in Afghanistan are either uh, converts from Islam or they're the children of converts from Islam, and, uh, and it is not a safe place to own the name of Christ. Um, and so we're working with a, a number of uh, Afghan Christians, some of whom are in the country and have decided to stay, some of whom have already fled and are looking for a permanent home. And so we think of persecution you know, in, in many places. Uh, one of the places that, or one of the continents that people often don't think about is Africa. Uh, Africa is becoming increasingly dangerous uh, for Christians in many parts. Uh, and whereas we used to think of that as being in northern Africa, uh, even in places like Mozambique, sure, northern Mozambique, uh, but still Mozambique is a country that borders South Africa. And even in uh, parts of Mozambique, uh, people who own the name of Christ, especially those who are converts to Christ, uh, are being persecuted and sadly many are being killed. Uh, and so the world is increasingly dangerous. I really wish that I could come and tell you that uh, Barnabas Fund is closing its doors because we no longer need it. Uh, but sadly, the incidence of uh, suffering, the incidence of oppression, the incidence of persecution is increasing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so again, as let me finish this part as I started. Thank you so much uh, for your support of this uh, vital ministry. And so the next question is, how do we respond to that? And, uh, Henry, there's going to be four... You, you might just flick it around four times uh, and then all of the symbols will be on the screen and I'll just speak to those. Uh, and so the first is to feel for our brothers and sisters, to open our hearts to the reality, to be informed. And so I've already mentioned the, the magazine. This is a great magazine. comes out free of charge every two months. And if you're not receiving that, again, you can sign up to receive uh, your copy uh, today uh, where you'll... You'll have some updates, some brief updates, but there might even be some more in-depth articles. So in the last magazine, there was uh, the centrepiece article was about why are Christians persecuted in the West? Uh, increasingly, we're finding that uh, Christians in Western countries are suffering, especially in places like universities and in other places um, of institutions. Uh, this uh, current edition talks about why are Christians persecuted in China? 
Um, and so you can uh, read some brief articles, you can read some updates about uh, how we're helping, or you can read some more in-depth articles, and I commend that magazine to you. The second uh, thing on the screen says to pray. My experience is that it's easy to say that we'll pray, not so easy to make sure we do it. So we want to make it really, really easy. And so in the middle of this magazine, uh, every time there's a magazine, there's a pull-out prayer guide uh, where for every day of the currency of that magazine, you can, you can pray for a specific situation, person or country, and do so knowing that you're joining with many thousands uh, around the world. The third is to, to speak, uh, to advocate, uh, whether informally or formally. Uh, we can all do it informally because there are many people, especially uh, in our neighbourhoods here in uh, the, the Redland area of Brisbane and, and other parts where uh, people just don't know about this reality. We're not being told. So we can speak informally uh, or we can speak more formally. And if you're interested uh, in speaking more formally on behalf of our brothers and sisters, come and see me uh, after the service. And the last one there on the screen is to give. I've already said that the most important thing that we can do is to pray. Uh, but if you're moved to give and you have that capacity, then I encourage you to submit to that urge. And so that's a, a brief update um, of uh, the work, an introduction to the work for those who don't know about it or haven't known about it, and an update especially in that area of the feeding program, uh, which is new since I was last here. So I hope that's of some benefit to you and happy to engage with you after the service. Uh, I'm conscious that it's just gone 11 uh, thanks for having a clock up there. It keeps preachers honest. There was an old, there was an old saying, or, and that is, uh, what, what does it mean when a preacher takes his watch off and puts it on the pulpit? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> but uh, that, that's an old joke that the, the preachers here will understand. Um, so I'm conscious of time. We do need to uh, open God's word. And I want to open God's word to see what he would be saying. And so please bear with me uh, as we do that. Let me pray, and then we'll turn to God's word. Father God, thank you so much that you have called us to yourself. Thank you as we've been uh, hearing and expressing in so many ways, by hearing your word, by hearing and saying prayers, by singing songs. So much of this morning has been focusing on the matchless grace of Jesus, and we want to thank you for that. And I pray now that in the power of your Holy Spirit that uh, the words of uh, your holy word would come to life and that we would receive what it is that you would have us to receive, and that as people set out into our mission field this week, we would do the things that you're calling us to do, that we might operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, lifting high the mighty name of Jesus, and in doing so, give glory to you, our Father in heaven. Amen. I want you to turn to... And, and so, Henry, we, we just need to go to the next one, and I'll keep on putting that up. There aren't as many changes during the message, Henry, um, and, and one more, perhaps. Uh, we're going to be talking today about Choose This Day. That's the name of the, the message, and I'd be interested if uh, or I'd like you to turn to Joshua 24. There's only two verses that I'll be reading from Joshua 24, but they're on the screen uh, for those of you who, uh, who don't have your uh, Bible handy. Um, and so this is Joshua speaking in uh, the middle of the last chapter uh, of the book named Joshua. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm sure many of you would be well aware that Joshua is a real Old Testament hero. And these well-known words expressed in these couple of verses pose a question and then make a bold declaration. And so firstly, the question that Joshua poses is, who will you serve? And then he declares, as for me and my family, or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And remember that when you see the Lord in all little capitals, that's the way of scripture saying Yahweh God, the God who had led his people, the God who had disclosed his name to Moses at the bush. So Joshua is saying, choose this day whom you will serve as for me and my family, we will serve Yahweh God. We will serve the Lord. And you know, just as Joshua challenged the people of Israel all those years ago to serve Yahweh God or to follow a different path, so we here today are challenged. Will we serve the Lord or will we walk a different path? And this isn't one of those set and forget choices. Uh, We can't ignore the question by saying, "Uh, look, I chose to serve God all those years ago when I accepted the Lord Jesus as my saviour. And therefore, I don't need to choose today. Because if that's how you're tempted to answer the challenge, then I will say this. Show me today by the choices that you're making today that you are living out that profession. Or I may even ask, yes, perhaps Jesus Christ is your saviour, but is he your Lord? Because in every moment of every day, I get to choose. In this moment, in this situation, do I choose to glorify God or do I choose not to? Choose in this moment whether to glorify God. Choose in this moment who will I serve. And so who is this person who poses the question? Uh, Who who is this man who makes such a bold declaration? Who, Who is this Joshua? Well, by the time Joshua gathered the people of Israel and issued this challenge in what we know as Joshua chapter 24, he was a very old man. And indeed, before we get to the end of that chapter... Uh, He dies and we read about his death and burial. But his entire life gives testimony to the declaration that he made in verse 15 that he would serve the Lord, that he would serve Yahweh God. We first hear of Joshua shortly after God has delivered his people from slavery in Egypt at the time that God had brought them to the border of the land of promise. Uh, Joshua was one of 12 spies chosen by Moses to go into the land and to report back uh, on what they'd found. And Joshua was only one of two men who came back with confidence. Uh, Ten came back and said, there's no way. There's no way we can take this land. 
And it led the people to cry out, if only we'd died in the wilderness, if only we'd stayed in Egypt. But only Joshua and Caleb said, as we read in Numbers 14, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the people chose to follow the word of the ten unfaithful spies as a result of which the whole nation endured 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And 40 years later, when the people were next on the border of the promised land, it was Joshua who became their leader after Moses. It was Joshua who led them across the Jordan and into the land. In that passage that is on the screen, Joshua said, Do not be afraid. And this was a theme repeated in Joshua's commissioning by God before he led the people across the Jordan, which we read about in Joshua 1 and verse 9, where Yahweh God commissions Joshua with these words, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you uh, wherever you go. And now many years later, we see that Joshua's Physical strength might be diminished because of age, but his strength of courage, his character, have not deserted him. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The question I want to ask you today, though, is this. Is this a rational decision to make? Is this a sensible choice to make? Why should we serve or why should we choose to serve Yahweh God? Uh, Joshua tells the people that they should have confidence in choosing to serve God and he does that in the earlier verses of chapter 24, the verses that I didn't read, uh, verses 1 through to 13. And these reasons for serving Yahweh God were not just for the Israelites of old. Uh, They've spoken to countless millions over the years. Uh, They've spoken to godly people who've experienced terrible suffering and persecution because of their faith. And they speak to you and to me in the here and now. You see, in those verses 1 to 13 of chapter 24, Joshua recounts to the people the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness that caused Abraham to choose to serve and follow Yahweh God. Faithfulness that caused Moses to make that same choice. Faithfulness that had caused the people as a whole to serve God in the land of promise rather than to serve the false gods of the surrounding cultures. And today we'll see three specific reasons the choice to serve Yahweh God is a rational decision, the best decision to make and the first one is because of his great love Abraham would say choose to serve Yahweh God because of his great love Joshua 24 verse 3 this is God speaking I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan 
and made his offspring many. That is, I gave him many children, many descendants. Out of his great love, God took Abram. Out of his great love, God led Abram. And out of his great love, God gave to Abraham. And has not God shown this great love to all his children? Paul wrote to the church in Colossae and he said, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God took us and God leads us so that Psalm 23, that famous psalm, starts by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God took us out of his great love. God leads us out of his great love. And God gives to us so that 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. It is rational to choose to follow Yahweh God because of his great love. But secondly, because of his great power. And so recounting as Joshua did in those early verses of chapter 24, Moses would say, choose to serve Yahweh God because of his great power. Again, this is God speaking in verses 6 and 7. I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came by the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Out of his great power, God used Moses in Egypt and delivered his people from their bondage. And again, has God not shown his great power to all of his children? Psalm 103 says this in part, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Because of his great love, because of his great power, but thirdly, because of his great blessings. The people of Israel would say, choose to serve Yahweh God because of his great blessings. And so Joshua twenty four thirteen, God speaking again, I gave you a land on which you had not laboured and cities you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Out of his great generosity, God blessed the Israelites of old. And has God not showered all his children with blessings? In some cases material and in every case spiritual. So again, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is Paul writing this. Now, if you're tempted to equate God's blessing with material prosperity, 
If you're tempted to think that what Paul's saying to the church, that this is what he's saying to the church in Ephesus, then I encourage you to think again. Because this same Paul suffered terribly for the sake of Christ, but who still testified to the blessings of Almighty God. And it's worth stressing this point, as Paul did in his second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 24. Uh, He recounts all the suffering that he had experienced for the sake of Christ. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Uh, He doesn't mean drugs, kids. Uh, Three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city. Are you getting the message? Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, he says. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Yet this is the same Paul who wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. At every moment of every day, we have a choice. Whether in that moment to glorify God, uh, to serve him and follow him, or whether to take a different path. Uh, Joshua confidently chose to serve Yahweh God because of his great love because of his great power, because of his blessings. And all of that and so much more can be expressed in this way because of his faithfulness. Faithfulness that's testified in the Old Testament so that in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9 we read, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Testified in the Old Testament, but also in the New. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And again, as we've heard in so many different ways this morning, because of our weakness, because of our sinfulness, uh, this powerful testimony to God's faithfulness in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The book of Daniel records a time when in exile in Babylon, three mates of Daniel faced a deadly trial. They refused to bow down and worship a golden image, even though they knew the penalty uh, was being thrown into the fiery furnace. And when some locals reported this to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king flew into a furious rage and demanded that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. And he confronted them, is this true? And they replied this, as recorded in Daniel 3. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
You see, with these young men, there was no compromise. Even when facing in the human certain death. They were confident that God would either deliver them from the fire or he would deliver them from the fire straight into his presence. They had confidence that Yahweh God's compassion, mercy, steadfast love and his faithfulness cover every situation. And it is Yahweh God's faithfulness that persecuted Christians cling to today that encourages them, in the true sense of the word of encourage, to induce courage, that encourages them to persevere despite the circumstances. And this is real for many Christ followers in the world today. As I draw this to a close, I want to share with you the account of just one man who gave his life for Christ, a Nigerian pastor whose life was taken uh, just over two years ago, the story of Pastor Lawan Andimi. Pastor Andimi's story is featured in the second volume of Heroes of Our Faith, which is now available hot off the press uh, in recent months. And I'll read from page 40 of that new publication under the heading In God's Hands. Pastor Lawan Andimi, a leading church figure in northeast Nigeria and a convert from Islam, was kidnapped on 2nd of January 2020 by Islamist terrorists from the Boko Haram group. In a video released three days later by his captors, he urged his loved ones not to cry or worry about him, but to thank God for everything. He affirmed that we are all in the hands of God, no matter what happens to us. He says, I have never been discouraged because all conditions that one finds himself in is the hands of God. By the grace of God, I will be together with my wife, my children and my colleagues. If the opportunity has not been granted, maybe it is the will of God. On the, second, on the 20th of January, Boko Haram announced that they had killed Pastor Andimi. He had survived attempts on his life in 2015, 2016 and 2017, repeatedly targeted because he had led many Muslims to Christ, including his father-in-law, who was a famous Malam or Quranic scholar. You know, the following day, Christianity Today reported Pastor Andimi's death under this heading, Boko Haram executes pastor who turned hostage video into testimony. And the Christianity Today article quotes Gideon Paramalam, the Joss-based Africa ambassador for the International Fellowship of uh, evangelical students and this is the quote from that fellow this is completely different from most hostage videos Andimi appeared as one who has already conquered death saying to his abductors and the rest of us that he is ready to die for his faith in Christ and so as Joshua challenged the people of old then the challenge is there for you and for me today and for every day choose this day whom you will serve Joshua said, I will serve the Lord. Daniel's three friends said, we will serve the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, I will serve the Lord. And so did Pastor Lawan Andimi and many others as well. Why? Because of God's faithfulness. You see, whether I live a long life or die tomorrow, 
whether I die peacefully or at the hands of others, God is faithful and God is worth choosing to follow. As the psalmist said in this part of Psalm 119, Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because he is faithful. Before we pray, let me close with the words of Lamentations 3 that are familiar to many of you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray in the words of that great hymn, Great is your faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with you. Thou changest not your compassions, they fail not. As you have been, you forever will be. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, unto me. Amen.